Here we go. Okay, we're going to continue the discussion of the laws of Purim. We're now <coughs> in middle of chapter 141. Kitzar Shulchan the abridged code of Jewish law. Subsection 14, Seif Yudalat. HaKoyedet Tzorek Shoyemeres Aseres B'nei Haman V'gam Tebas Aseres HaKoyel B'nishima Achas. The reader of the Megillah must say all, all ten names. The names of all ten sons of Haman in one breath, including the word ten, which begins the list of the ten. The idea to show, to, to announce that they were all um, executed and hung as one, in the same day, the same time. The custom is that when we get to that part of the Megillah, the reader takes a deep breath, and then beginning from the words, 500 people who were killed in Shushan that day, he goes from there and he reads through so, for example, it would sound like this. That's what it sounds like. In other words, if after the fact, you made an interruption, you took a breath between... The, the names, it's still you still fulfill the obligation. You don't have to go back and do it again. It's one of those things where it's ideal to do it, but if you messed up, keep, just keep going. Some customs, some communities have a custom that everybody says the ten names of Haman's sons together. It's not an appropriate custom. Because we need the reader, just like he's reading the rest of the Megillah on our behalf, we need him to read that part too. The congregation should listen to the reader just like they listen for the entire Megillah. When the reader says, In the beginning of chapter 6 in the Megillah, he says the famous part where Achashverosh was not able to fall asleep, his sleep was disturbed. Um, that's where the reader has to raise his voice a little bit. Because that really is the turning point when the miracle starts to unfold. When the reader says this scroll, referencing the Megillah, you should give a little shake to the Megillah to signify this is the scroll that we're talking about. And now that you know this, you can pay attention and you'll notice that if the reader knows what he's doing, he will do exactly that at every one of these points. Usually the reader knows what he's doing. Whoever has, if you don't have a kosher scroll Megillah, but all you have is a non-kosher Megillah, or a printed version of the Megillah, don't read, before we said that ideally everybody has their own kosher Megillah, and you read you know, in an undertone, you read along with the reader, so that in the event you might miss a word, you have your plan B, this is your insurance, you're covered. You're reading it to yourself, basically, without the trap, but it's still good enough for a plan B. But that's only true if you have an actual Megillah scroll. If all you have is a non-kosher scroll, or even a printed Megillah, don't read at all. Because the problem is then that you're not going to be able to hear... Um, from the from the reader, and even even if you manage to do both, and then the problem is you're not reading from a kosher megillah. With a kosher megillah, even if you don't 
even if you space out from the reader and you focus too much on your own reading, it's fine. You're you're filling in the blanks from a kosher megillah. Here, you don't have the kosher megillah backup, so therefore don't read at all. You also might disturb people next to you, and if they hear you reading instead of the reader, again, the same problem, what they heard came out of a printed megillah, not out of a kosher megillah. So if you don't have a kosher megillah, keep your mouth sealed and just listen. Rabbi, huh? If you have a kosher megillah, yeah. um, is there any... Thing that the, the the mitzvah is just hearing all the words, or does it have to be from the one person? Because let, let's say there's the, you hear the main guy reading for some whatever reason. There's a couple psukim where you, it's hard to hear, and you have your kosher when you read those, and then that's exactly it. You so could combine the two. Okay. That's exactly the point you said before. That's why it's ideal to have a kosher megillah okay. and read along. That in the event you're you're listening to the guy, yeah. in the event that there's somehow noisy or whatever stuff happens, you're covered. That's exactly how, it. How, how the places give printouts? That's for you to follow along, not to say. Got it. Don't say anything if you don't have a kosher megillah. That's all. Um, Nobody should assist the reader um, by saying, you know, here's the next word or, or whatever, um, saying words by heart from the megillah to the reader. Therefore, the four times, there are four verses in the, in the Megillah where we all read it out loud. The whole congregation says the verse out loud. So what do we do then? Because you're all reading it together. And some of you have a kosher Megillah, some of you don't. Some of you might be saying it by heart because you know it already. It's not your first rodeo. That's just a custom of the whole congregation saying it for whatever reason because those are they're called, they're called the verses of redemption. Each one of those verses has a strong element of the redemptive narrative of, of the Purim story. So we say it the whole congregation. But after we're done, everybody has to hush again, and the reader is going to read it out loud from the Kosher Megillah for everybody. Let's say you already heard or read the Megillah earlier that day. And it's Purim afternoon, you bump into someone, he says, oh my God, I didn't hear the Megillah today, can you read it for me? And you say, I'd love to. Right? Now, we have to say a bracha before reading the Megillah. Like every mitzvah. In this case, who should say the bracha? So ideally, the person who hasn't yet heard the Megillah should be the one to say the brachas. If he's familiar enough with Hebrew that he can recite a bracha, that should be the person, he or she, should be the one to say the bracha. And you, being that you already heard the Megillah that day, really... On your own, you have no mitzvah to read the Megillah again. It's just for that person. So ideally, they would say the bracha, and then you read for them. Um, if it's a woman, it's better that the reader should say the bracha, and you make the bracha, um, to hear the Megillah, instead of um, the, the original bracha. That's actually a change. The original bracha is... Um, Al Mikra Megillah, I believe that it's. Ask me, sir. I'm ninety-nine percent sure. Um, we say the bracha for reading the Megillah. When you're making a bracha on behalf of someone who hasn't heard yet, but you already heard, so you change slightly to Lishmoya Megillah to hear the Megillah. I'm just gonna check up. Okay, 17. On Shabbos, which is not Purim, 
we're allowed to move the Megillah. Megillah is not considered Muktza. So you're allowed to pick up and use and read and touch the Megillah on Shabbos. If the year that in this in this year Purim falls out on a Sunday, in Lahavi Bashabas is a Megillah Besaknesis, a filobiershim to Knesba Irvin, should have a mechim shabbas lochil. So then even if your city has a perfectly fine and valid kosher eruv, you should not bring the Megillah to Shul on Shabbos. Because why why would you bring it on Shabbos? Because you need it for Saturday night. Right? You're going to be reading, the night reading will be Matzah Shabbos. You should not bring, you cannot bring the Megillah to Shul on Shabbos because that would be the prohibition. You'd be violating the prohibition against preparing from Shabbos to the week. You can't do anything on Shabbos to prepare for something that will happen during the week. And even if what you're doing isn't a violation of Shabbos law itself, that itself is a violation that you're preparing on Shabbos for something that's going to happen later in the week. You can't do any of that on Shabbos. So even though technically Megillah is not Muqsa, and you have an Erev so you can carry, the fact that you bring it to Shul on Shabbos, when you don't need it on Shabbos, you only need it after Shabbos is over, is something you're not allowed to do. So in that case, you can either bring it to Shul before Shabbos, or you can scramble home um, right after Shabbos is over and bring your Megillah. And the Ashkenaz custom is to be organized and bring it to Shul before Shabbos, and the Chabad custom is to scramble and come like a madman after Shabbos is over. If you have a congregation, they do not have a reader who knows how to read the Megillah properly with the trup. In in this case, plan B is to read it without the trup. You have to make sure that the very least, this is this is not negotiable, that you read the words properly. The right, the right vowelization, the right, the right nikud, so that it should not change the meaning of the words, which would be um, that's some that's not something we can overlook. If you say um, that Mordechai sat instead of Mordechai was sitting, it's a different meaning. You change the tense, present to past. So on, then even after the fact, you haven't fulfilled your obligation, you would have to go back and correct it. The same thing is true for Torah reading, by the way, which is why certain mistakes that a reader might make are, um, are, uh, are important enough to go back. Certain mistakes, if they don't change the meaning of the word, in the end, after the fact, it's not that big of a deal because it doesn't change the meaning of the word. It takes a lot of Diktuk um, knowledge to know which mistakes are are serious mistakes. Some people in certain communities have a custom just to yell at the Balkore no matter what he's doing, because just in case it was one of those mistakes, we, we don't want to take any chances. We just we yell at him for everything. Um, Interesting. You're allowed to do um, to insert in the Megillah, which is something unique for Megillah. It's not this. It's not the case for the Sefer Torah. You're allowed to add vowels and trup to the Megillah to help you read properly. Especially if it be, be, being in a case where there's no reader who knows how to do it properly, this is what you would be in, in this is what the, the emergency martial law is write it into the Megillah. Because it has, so it has to be the dio to write it. You Sorry? Can, you can't write it in like a pen. It has to be that. I don't know. Thing. I don't know. It's a good question. Do you have to write it like a sofer? I don't know. I don't know. 
This is better than having somebody read his own reading from a chumash. If those are your two choices. Either, so you don't have a good reader who knows how to read with trap. You can, you can either jot down the trap and the, and the nikudot in kosher megillah, or you'll just be reading from a chumash. Much better to do the former than the latter. And if what happened was that all you had was uh, that you read it from a chumash instead of following this advice, you would still have to go find a way to hear the Megillah read from a proper Megillah scroll, kosher Megillah scroll. You test 19. Uh, if at any point anybody has questions, just stop. I'm just going to keep going until uh, you press pause. 19. If a congregation does not own a properly kosher Megillah, and what do you have? You have it's written on parchment, proper parchment, and it's written well. Um, in other words, the proper software writing, the proper lettering, everything was done well, except so it's missing words. Various sporadic words are missing. Since it's not missing an entire segment of the Megillah. If it would be missing a chapter, if you're missing a whole story, okay. But if it, if for whatever reason, whoever wrote it, you know, absentmindedly skipped a word and kept going and didn't realize. And now you're stuck with this Megillah, which you paid a lot of money for. Uh, and they weren't offering refunds. You're allowed to read from it with saying the bracha. And what do you do with the missing word? Two options. Either the reader knows the Megillah well enough, and he can read the, the missing words from memory and just say them at the right spot. Or you can look into a Chumash and read it. And, the re- and that's not the reader, but the, uh, the, um, somebody next to the reader will say, Mordechai. And then he'll say, Mordechai from the cue that he gets from the guy next to him who's looking into a chumash telling him what the missing word is. And that would be... In other words, he's reading it by heart either way. Either he knows it himself or he's getting a cue from the guy next to him. The helpful guy. But if there's no Megillah whatsoever, not even one of these nearly kosher Megillahs, or it's a Megillah which is missing an entire segment, or it's missing the beginning or the end, how do, you, how do you, man? You have to be like drunk on Purim to start a Megillah and miss the beginning. <laughs> like, <laughs> that even happened. I understand skipping a word. Uh, whatever, chapter two. How? <laughs> do you read chapter one every year? How? <laughs> so, in that case, if you really have a really messed up Megillah that doesn't have the beginning or the end, or it's missing an entire segment, then, then what you do, all you can do then is everybody reads from a printed version and there's no brachas recited. And you're stuck. You live in Brantford. So it's the, it's the, you're not Yotze anymore at that point. It's just, you're wow. doing it because that's... You're probably you're not Yotze. This is, all, this is the best you can do. You tried. Um, kind of. Yeah. Happy Purim. <laughs> also, like, plan ahead. You know? This is all like, oh no, we don't have a Megillah. Like, you had, you had 364 days notice. Figure it out. 
And if you're alone, and you have one of these unkosher megillas, so you can read from that megillah, but do not say the brachas. Do a few more minutes, maybe we'll finish this chapter. If you're in middle of Shiva, God forbid you lost a loved one, and Purim falls out in the middle of your Shiva, then the rules of uh, mourning continue to apply, and no joy, no simcha is allowed for someone saying Shiva. However, um, when it comes to um, putting on leather shoes, and sitting on a normal chair, that you're allowed to do on Purim, during Shiva, because that is very visible to the public. The best case scenario is you gather a minion in the Shiva house, and you read the Megillah in the Shiva house. Then if not, what you should do is daven at home, and then go to the shul to be able to hear the Megillah, because you still have to hear the Megillah, you're not exempt from hearing the Megillah, just because you're sitting Shiva. Do you still have to wear the ripped piece of clothing? Because it's also very visible. That's a good point. Um, he doesn't mention it here, but by the logic, maybe not. Maybe because not. It's very easy to see how you have your collar. Yeah, yeah. Maybe not. If, if he's telling us that, that the very visible um, expressions of mourning should be, um, should be uh, you know, changed to, you know, not, not to do them in public when you're going out for whatever reason on Purim, perhaps you would also change the shirt. It's interesting he doesn't mention that here. I don't maybe know. you can shower too. Listen, <laughs> now you're pushing it. Well, it's, it's not visible. It's, uh, <laughs> I understand. Um, yeah. If Purim falls out on Matzah Shabbos, Saturday night, so then you should go to Shul before Shabbos is over, while it's still Shabbos after the third meal. Um, and then during the daytime, you go to Shul for davening and for Megillah reading, not only, not only for Megillah reading. All this is in the case where you can't gather a minion in Shiva house. It remains that plan A, that if there's someone in your community sitting Shiva on Purim, ideally we can arrange a Megillah in their house so they can remain in the Shiva house as is proper. If the, an event that you lost a loved one on the, the fast of Esther, and they have not yet moved, proceeded with the burial, and in the time between the passing of a loved one that you're obligated to mourn for and the burial, you're in the status of what's called an onin, and an onin is, is exempt from all positive mitzvahs, well. and you don't do any mitzvahs, um, still, for some reason, um, you should make sure to hear the Megillah from someone else, not to read it yourself, um, not to eat and, and do not eat uh, meat, don't drink wine. At night, there's no obligation anyway of uh, the meal, the Suda of Purim. Then, what should happen then is in the morning, after Shachris, after Shul, in the morning, the funeral should take place. And then, after that point, now the resumption of all mitzvah obligations resumes. So, at that point, the mourner would daven. And um, and hear the Megillah, or read it, and or either read it or hear it. If somehow we manage to hear Megillah before the burial, Yatsa fulfilled his obligation. Doesn't have to hear it again, even though he heard it during a time when he was technically exempt. 
you happen to hear Megillah when you were technically exempt, you don't have to hear it again when you're technically obligated. You're 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 At the same time, it's ideal that you should read it again without saying a bracha, because technically you were exempt the first time, and really, when uh, when you're exempt from mitzvah, you do it anyway. It, it doesn't count for the same in the same way that when you're obligated. Do not put on tefillin on the first day. The day of burial is also a day of no tefillin. And um, if you're an onin throughout Purim, if the burial will only happen after Purim, then you're allowed to have uh, meat and wine during the day, which normally a mourner is not, but because you're an onin, because of Purim, you're allowed. You're not allowed to have that during the whole seven days? Or should Meat or wine? Doesn't seem so. I don't know. But, uh, wine for sure not. Wine, yeah. Um, but, like, I guess the, maybe maybe also extend to poultry. I don't know. I don't know. I have to say that thank God I'm not super well versed yeah. in all the details of this. Um base twenty two. Let's finish the chapter. Shachris Mashkim Knesis. Okay, we're done with the uh, with the morning laws. What is the routine? What is this? What is the order of uh, events on Purim morning? In the morning we wake up early to go to shul. Regular shachris in Amida of Shmonesre we say Alanisim. After Shmonesre, after the Amida, we uh, after the repetition of the Amida, the we say Chatzik Kaddish, half Kaddish. We call three men up to the Torah. We read the Torah portion of Ayavai Malik, which was the end of last week's parsha. Following Torah reading again, and then after bringing the Torah back, we read the Megillah. Some communities keep the Torah out for the for the Megillah for the Megillah reading, I believe. After the final bracha following the Megillah, in um, the the uh, the I think it's like a poem that starts off Asher Hini. We don't say that in the morning, only at night. After the final bracha, after the regular reading, say the, the poem, the prayer of Shoshana Yaakov. And then we Aimrim Ashri Valatsin, Kadeshalim Diskabel, continue Shachris um, with Ashri Valatsin and so on. Um, basically, it's a regular Shachris, same sequence as every day, except after Shmanasrei, Torah reading and Megillah. And then you move on with a few Kadeshim thrown in. Do not take off your tefillin until after the Megillah is over. The, 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 the Megillah says, The Jews had light gladness, um, joy. light gladness, joy, and honor. And the Gemara says that these are referring to four different mitzvahs, and the last one, refers to tefillin. So there's a reference to tefillin in the Megillah. So it would not be it would be best if people are in their tefillin during the Megillah. If there's a bris that day, and it's happening in Shul, the bris should take place after Torah reading, before Megillah reading. Because another one of the verses, one of the words in that verse, is referencing the bris, and therefore should also be, in other words, the baby should be circumcised when we read about circumcision. If we wait to do the bris after the Megillah. We're going to reference circumcision when there's an uncircumcised baby in front of us on the eighth day. Better circumcise him first, and then read the Megillah. This is a question we had before. If there's a city that had a wall surrounding it, 
during the times of Yehoshua ben Nun, Kareem Baba Chamisha. So we read the Megillah on the fifteenth day, the day of Shushan Purim. He ends off, it is not common in our countries to find such cities. Certainly also true for our country here, the great Canada. And that's the end of chapter 141. We're going to continue next time with chapter 142, more on the laws of Purim.